following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 69 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you this fine evening? Oh, Brad, I have pulled myself up out of the deep depths, and now I know I have nothing but sunny skies ahead of me. Nothing bad will happen to me now. I just know there isn't anything under me that could bother me. Yes, yes, it's it's sunny skies, and helping those skies be sunny is we have a fantastic guest with us this week. Eric, who's joining us this week? We have the creator and co-host of the 20th Century Popcast, as well as writer and director of the upcoming video series Nevermind, Gaiman and Noose. Welcome, Tim Blevins. Thank you. Um, thank you both. Um, I'm a little nervous because it feels like there was some foreshadowing in what uh, what was just said by Eric a moment ago. <laughs> and now I'm nervous of our firm ground standing. But thank you. Thank you both for having me on the show. I'm, 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 I'm what they would call excited to be here. Very excited to have you. Tim, our, our paths have crossed in the past. They, they have, vocally, vocally, as far as I know, unless you're going to tell me a story I don't know. It was me that pulled you out of that car wreckage. I was waiting for this moment. <laughs> oh, you think I would remember, but you were really into hats then, and I just I never <laughs> see a good hat. Um, thank you for that. And then, the, I guess the memory I had now seems anticlimactic, because you were, you were a great guest on my show. Is that what you're referring to, or is it the car thing that you wanted to talk about? No, I'm too... I'm too uh... Modest, modest for saving life. <laughs> I'm too humble to bring that up. Uh, yes, yes, the uh, we, we Jarf and I guested on 20th Century Podcast, which was a lot of fun. It was a conversation that went completely off the rails. It did which I enjoyed. I I, I didn't enjoy it in terms of the research I had done because I think we were I was trying to do a crossover between the show I was doing and this show and talking about soundtracks. But I, that was a great conversation from both of you. So it was a great way to meet actually. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. We had a great time. We're going to continue to have a great time, and that Flash Gordon uh, research will come in handy. I hope so. I, I hope I still have it. Let me check. Yes. <laughs> well, you're on the right show to have Flash Gordon research. I know. This is working well here. Um, it, it, it didn't. Uh, you know what? I blew my own joke. I was trying to think of another podcast, and I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't think of a single other podcast, so I won't do that joke. But you have a whole show that I would love to be a part of, so I should stop interrupting. My apologies. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, minute 69. Eric, what happens in this minute? Well, at the very beginning of the minute, Flash, if, if you thought that he indeed had died and the movie was over at the end of last minute, yeah. uh, then, then you now, after waiting all weekend to hear what we have to talk about, you now know he survives. Uh, he climbs himself up. He grabs onto a gigantic uh, branch, pulls himself up out of what, frankly to me, looks different than it did in the previous minute. It doesn't really look like black quicksand anymore. It kind of looks like just murky water now. So I have a sense they might have been on a different set or something for these two different shots. But he is out. And for at least the beginning of this minute, he is okay. This is a great looking set, by the way. I, I, yeah. The continuity withstanding. This is a very <laughs> um, Dagobah sort of bog of eternal stents uh, looking thing. And I don't know. I 
maybe because I'm so used to like having just seen Infinity War, like CGI backgrounds and things like this. It looks like a set. It doesn't necessarily look like a real place. And that's fine. Like this is just I, I really I, and I don't remember this scene. Quite frankly, I loved it, but I don't remember it from the movie. It's a good looking early 80s sci-fi thing, which sounds like a cliche, but I don't mean it that way. Yeah, the Arborian set, um, both Brad and I and, and all the guests who've been on for any point of the Arborian stuff, we, we all love the practical set. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that in this movie, right? I mean, everything is, I mean, I guess there's paintings for when it's establishing, but every set in this movie does pretty really impress me. And some of it even looks... Like, not cardboard, but maybe, you know, that flashy oak tag. Like, some of it looks manufactured, but it works. There's something about that that really works in this. It looks real, even though it looks like a set. It looks like a real set. And uh, you, you bring up the excellent point about uh, Avengers Infinity War. Loved Avengers Infinity War. Loved the Marvel movies. But it, everything looks really, really green screen. And then it also is real disappointing whenever they show deleted footage or making up footage where you see them standing on basically the only thing real is the ground they're standing on most of the time now is that disappointing as a behind the scenes photo or is that disappointing overall that they didn't build the set i say i say yes to both oh. i think it's you look at the behind the scenes stuff and it's jarring to see everyone in their costumes and they're just in a big giant green room you know and then you think back to movies like this and the original star wars movies and what was accomplished with actual sets pre-CGI, and you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I, what's what's the phrase that goes around where it's CGI, uh, it's it looks it it's fake, but it look. Uh, oh, I'm getting I'm the uncanny valley. Not the uncanny valley. Hidden um, valley is it? Hidden valley. It's something where like you know when you look at old practical stuff, especially like you know the really old stuff, like the Ray Harryhausen type of stuff. You know it's fake, but it looks real, and the CGI. Looks, it, it, is it called it, affordables? It looks perhaps? real, but you know it's fake. It's something like that. I, I'm, I'm totally screwing this up, this quote. But it, as an idea, I mean, that we do buy it. I don't like, or we buy it because that's what it was at the times. Like, I feel like Ray Harryhausen stuff, I love the look of it. Oh, I'm me too. at the craftsmanship because it yeah. doesn't, to be realistic, it doesn't, I know it's not real. I never have a moment of suspension of belief that they're in the same room. And that's right. something, if you saw the behind-the-scenes pictures of that, those are very small skeletons, and it's right. probably just one, and then the people are acting against there. But that there's something, because it's a physical thing, that I really get into. CGI have come around on. I think there was a period where I was of the mentality of how can they not build, like it was with the, the, the Star Wars prequels, which I don't mind, but it was just kind of like they didn't build sets, they didn't build creatures. There's still an artistry to it, and sometimes like some of the stuff in Infinity War, like nowhere still looks like a great location. I think there's a part of me, and I, that's why when you said it's behind the scenes thing, like you said it's both, I think there's a part of me that wants the magic to be a physical thing. That is disappointing. I think CGI a lot of times looks looks fine, looks great. I am disappointed that you, it's not they didn't walk around like I guess parts of Guardians in the Galaxy when they're in the prison centers. Some of that's real, some of right. that's you know they're building levels. But you're right when you see a picture, it's all these sheets. I don't have any interest in going to a bunch of wooden pylons with sheets over them. But I would love to go to this freaking what is the name of the planet that we're on right now in the Flash Gordon moment that we're in? Arborea. Arborea. I'd love to walk around this Arborea set and see sure. what amounts to a hole in the ground with all this amazing like flora and a puppet i mean we'll get to that i guess in a minute sorry but the this the, the the whole set is a living breathing thing that people were operating i don't know if it's a loss for cinema that we that it's done differently but there is it's a loss for this love of how movies are made to me because i didn't grow up 
with computers programming. And I did grow up playing with puppets and building toys and things. So the knowing that that's absent from a movie does kind of impact me, which which is weird because I sh- shouldn't I be lost in it the way I'm lost in this or lost in those Ray Harryhausen things? Yeah, here's the here's the quote: Stop motion looks fake but feels real. CGI looks real but feels fake. <laughs> I yes. Although, I mean, Rocket Raccoon's... I don't mean to keep going to the same example, (laughs) but Rocket Raccoon is a believable-looking character. The aliens in Mars Attacks were realistic-looking characters that were supposed to look like the Ray Harryhausen things. There's some acceptance there. I'm disappointed to know that when they're on set, no one's operating a rocket puppet. But that's a a weird scenario. I'm never going to be behind the set in one of those movies, so I don't know why that's impacting me. Well, I think, first off, with everything, there's a trade-off. Infinity, Avengers Infinity War could could not have been made anywhere close to what it is 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. It looked nearly as good. Um, so there's, and, and that had such a wide, wide scope. It, and it also knew how to use the CGI just right. I think the reason why, as Eric says, sometimes CGI looks real but doesn't feel real could be because of the actor's performance, and you like, like you say, um, you know, Rocket. The way they do Rocket is they have James Gunn's brother in a leotard acting, but at least they get something to act against. No, that's true. But do you want to see that picture? Like, do you want to go behind the scenes and see him sitting there with the plastic raccoon head on his head? Well, it is actually kind of funny. I know, and I know that uh, I'm familiar enough with that actor. It's like that's ah, just funny. That's Kirk from Gilmore Girls. Is it really? That's I know that. Okay. Yeah, that's Sean Gunn. It's uh, the brother of the director. The thing is, because you're you don't have the physical things to act against or feel against, and I think that just some can somehow remove the actor's performance a little bit. And with yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine how challenging it would be for uh, Sam Jones, who, as we have uh, discussed before, this is not a well-trained actor. You have discussed. I was going to ask. He's not, right? He's he's believable in the mud because he's in mud. Right. But he's yeah. not a good actor by our, everyone's standards, correct? He, he, you don't want him doing, starring your performance of Shakespeare in the Park. I do not, no. Yeah, what we've said is that he is perfect for this role in this movie. That, I mean, is he? It's just, it's, yes, absolutely. We think so, at least. Okay, because I... I think a lot of people are amazing this movie. And that was something I always wonder, and I guess happens in other movies, but people are in on what this movie is. It's a lot of things. Like in this scene, we get Timothy Dalton just at the end, right? If I'm thinking right. about that. Right. And, and even in that little second where he shows up at the end of the scene, he upstages the hero who the movie's named after. You know, and, and we can talk more about it in future minutes with some of the other characters. Like I feel like people get, or at least this is out my view, they get what's going on in this movie. I don't, like... You should want to, I, I feel like I should, the lead of this movie should also be in on it. And I'm not sure, he's been on other things. It was he, he was on a show, I think, called, the, I think you even mentioned it, The Highwaymen. I think he worked well on that. But something in this, like, I just, I'm not sure, maybe it fluctuates from seeing the scene. I just, I like him because I know the visual. But actually, I like him because I've seen the actor since then. And he seems, he's, he's goofy and he's fun. And now he seems to get it. But I, I don't know. And I guess you guys do feel like sweat. You feel like he got what he was doing with this movie. He was perfect for this role, I think you just said, Eric. Yeah. Well, he's also the straight man. He's the guy that you're supposed to like and relate to and sort of see yourself through, but he's also really good-looking and really athletic. And he's sort of, you know, the no-nonsense, 
you know, pure-hearted guy, that then uh, Volton and uh, the other characters get to be crazy against. And if he was, if he was crazy, as crazy as they were, or as in on the joke, or as over the top as they would, then it, then the move, then the new movie would, would start to become noise. Sure, he's like the Michael Bluth of the, the film, I guess. Or, you know, Brad has made the comparison also. If he were like, you know, how Robert Downey Jr. plays Tony Stark, if he was, you know, a bit of a cocky jerk, it would, I mean, the movie would have just failed if that's the way they had played the role. Mm-hmm. I, I guess a way to show where the, we're going with a crazy guy in the middle where I don't think it worked necessarily, and I'm going to go deep dive here, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Oh. Which is a movie that had some... <laughs> Which at least one-third of this group doesn't care for. It oh, no. Like... Didn't like that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it had some good scenes. There's a great uh, Cuban Pete scene, which I love because it was a very old Warner Brothers style thing. The problem I had with it is the idea was Stanley Ipkiss, as played by Jim Carrey, was a mild-mannered, milk-toast guy who then puts on the mask and he becomes wild and crazy. The problem is, Jim Carrey, especially at that point in his career, didn't know how to play mild-mannered milquetoast. He was still doing his Jim Carrey over the top. So the transformation lacked pop because with the mask, it was just the same guy with some extra crappy-looking special effects. Now, did you think that, like, I can see that now, but I feel like, for who Jim Carrey was at the time, coming off I, in Living Color and I guess Ace, Vin, Ace Ventura was what he was known for, I feel like his performance at that point of Stanley Ipkiss was toned out. Like he's nebbish or he's nervous and he's polite. And this idea is he lets his, uh, is it his id? I forget the id, ego, super ego, whatever it is that he becomes this living, breathing thing with a mask on. Like I feel like at the time that was. There was a dichotomy there. I don't. Again, I don't know if it works, but he he fit in that world because the world wasn't just spinning around him. He was interacting with it. I think it would it would have been more effective if you had taken like you sort of referred to before. Put Jason Bateman, who can play sort of downtrodden and quiet, and put him in there. Or if you had gotten another actor, um, uh, Woody Allen, or something like that. <laughs> And have him as a Stanley Ipkiss, and then just have Jim Carrey play the mask. He'd be like polite when he put the mask on. He'd be a good parental figure when he put the mask on. Would that be the switch? Yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> I'm gonna add a rim shot to that because that was hilarious. <laughs> but no, he, he you know, it, it was just Jim Carrey was still being Jim Carrey. If you would have, but maybe 20 percent toned down, Jim Carrey is still pretty nuts. Yeah, it's still amped up. I. Yeah, and, and I understand what you're saying, and I think bringing in a different actor makes me think that. Have you discussed, and maybe you have on the show, and I'm sorry if I missed those episodes, other people who could have played Flash? Yes, we did. Um, who, of the time that you have, I'd be curious to hear. You know what? Keep talking for a second. I will find my notes from that episode, and I will tell you. There was nobody we loved doing the same sort of Flash. <laughs> and it's a hard right. game to play if you've seen the movie a lot. I, like, I can't do that with most movies. I can't recast a role once I've seen it. And again, like he is sincere. I just... And maybe it's because I, I don't, you know, prior to this movie, I didn't really know Flash Gordon growing up. But isn't he sort of a swashbuckling hero? Like, is Oh, that- yeah. He, and he was a lot smarter. He was like a, a gentleman hero athlete scientist. 
It was Buck Rogers, kind of, wasn't he? Like, I knew Buck Rogers. I yeah, guess he that... was actually created to compete, to be uh, competition for the syndicate that created uh, Flash, wanted someone to create with the syndicate, to uh, compete with the syndicate that had uh, Buck Rogers. Flash Gordon predates Buck Rogers? No, Buck Rogers predates Flash Gordon. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I, mean, yeah. I flip-flopped with yeah. Wow. One that we liked, but it would have been a very different Flash, I remember we called out Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Who could have been? It, it sort of take the sh- sh- was it a showdown, in Little Tokyo, Big Trouble in Little China? China Kurt Big Russell, China. that's what came to mind. But I think it's because he has a T-shirt on, and that's what I'm thinking. He would have been fun though, but he he wouldn't. He would have been of this world. I feel like he would have had a wink or something. And, and I wonder, maybe that wouldn't work in this. You know, the Han Solo wink of I know some of this is hokey, but I'm still participating in it. Like, but I I, I do wonder what that'd be like because that w- could be fun. Again, I guess I don't know the base of Flash Gordon well enough. Out like this movie was my introduction to him, so that's who I think of him as. I don't know what the original character is, but Kurt Russell might be awesome in this. It would have been funny. It just would have been a bit different. It would have been very Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I guess that's what I. That's and that's the comparison in my head. I keep thinking because he is surrounded, yeah, by lovable bizarro space characters all of whom are comical which is again this movie is hilarious and that's the thing i think it's supposed to be hilarious and i'm never quite sure if he is trying to be hilarious well also what can be really funny in a comedy uh that's so over the top is if you have the clueless hero and in a very different way that's what they did with the naked gun movies because uh leslie nielsen's frank drebbing character had no idea what was going on. He was a moron. He was an idiot, an imbecile, and and I, he wasn't a leading man, though. That's I guess that's what. And again, I I do like this Flash Gordon. I just everyone in in my memory of the movie, and whenever I go back to it, everyone else just about outshines him. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely sort of the the canvas that everything else is painted upon, where he's the normal guy, and. It's also, if, if somebody's trying to out-Voltan Voltan, <laughs> gosh, uh, the universe would have imploded. Right? No, and, and, it's, and I love all of it. That's the thing. Like, and I forget, because I came to this movie, when I came to it in like high school, I came to it, and it was a joke to me. I Mystery Science Theater it. A bunch of us rented it and just made fun of it. It's really not until like the last 10 years where I've watched it by myself, put it on, bought the DVD, watched that, and over time been like, this is actually a really well-put-together movie. It's really doing something. It, and I think it does know what it is. I think it was doing a pretty impressive, campy, intentionally campy thing. The way Xanadu is campy and the apple's not supposed to be campy. I mean, I think it knows what it's doing. And I don't think I got that as a kid. I don't think I understood that as a teen or whenever I watched it. Like, did, and did you like this movie the first time you saw it? Well, when I saw it first, I was real young. So then you're just really sort of mesmerized by the colors and the big, larger-than-life characters and everything. And it's true. It's great for a kid. Yeah. Because, uh, as has been brought up before, this was written by a writer of the old uh, Batman show, uh, the 60s Batman show. So that was that was another show that... The first time you see Adam West Batman, it's just cool because there's fight scenes and there's Batman and there's Robin and they're driving the Batmobile and that's really awesome. And then if you watch it again when you're older, it's like, oh, this is really funny. And Adam West is doing an amazing deadpan acting job. It's something that works on 
more than one. It, it works on a couple of levels. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was a writer from the old Batman show. That's awesome. And I can see that. It's again, it's it's interesting that again, it's a it's a comic book for comic strip property that can be and you know this great pop art property that's that's older that they can do that with it that they're getting it because you don't see that in comic book movies now they are even though well deadpool i guess but you don't get that sense of i'm going to use this to to show you the ridiculousness of it as much he'll come back somebody will figure out how to these things go into weird cycles and with uh the fourth infinity war coming up and there's going to be a lot of natural closures to stuff somebody's going to and, and Deadpool might have been one of the first steps, and when they realized they had continued success with the second Deadpool, um, somebody's going to try something campy and fun. Uh, and I, I look forward to that because I think there's room for different ideas. Now, do you think the campiness of Flash Gordon was a reaction to Star Wars? Or do you think someone saying make Flash Gordon was a reaction to Star Wars? Because it sounds like maybe it could have been doing what Deadpool did to superheroes, but maybe that wasn't the intention of making it. No, it was. um, We've talked in uh, previous minutes about how uh, the producer Dino De Laurentiis um, is, you know, he's out there, and that ended up basically bleeding into the production. You know, the original director uh, left after like a year, so Mike Hodges came in uh, on short notice, and essentially just he, he he's he's quoted as saying he showed up to the set every day and just was like um all right well let's see what we're gonna do today i mean he just he winged it he said the entire movie was just like him not knowing what was going on and figuring it out on the spot day by day what he was gonna do uh you know there was some improv uh and so it was it was a bit all over the place and it was and he said that you know star wars hurt it a bit because once people saw the real special effects, they weren't necessarily interested in the, in the campy special effects anymore. Mm-hmm. And the mighty, the movie, you know, might've done better, uh, had it not been for star Wars. This movie is basically all of my flash Gordon knowledge uh, that even though I've been watching this movie since it came out for, you know, 35 years, um, it never, I never went and read the comic strip. I never watched that sci-fi TV show 15 years ago I, I, or any of that stuff. And also, mm-hmm. Coincidentally, I've never seen Sam Jones in anything else. And so oh. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I psychoanalyzed myself on the spot that probably <laughs> I want my Flash Gordon to be Sam Jones and I want my Sam Jones to be Flash Gordon. That's, just, <laughs> that's the way I want it. That's the way it is. And I'm, and I'm not I'm not splitting off from that. All right. So, and, and again, I, I apologize because this is he's the, that's very important to you. I, yeah, I can make other examples yeah. in my mind of people that people would want to swap out or change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I one of my literally one of my earliest memories. And I mentioned this before is seeing this movie in the movie theater as a five year old. So, you know, this movie is literally one of my earliest memories. So sure. Sam Jones as Flash Gordon has been one of my you know pop culture heroes my entire memorable life, basically. He's your Optimus Prime voice to me. <laughs> so, ah, yes. Peter Collard, yes. So here's what, I, here's what I found in my notes way back in minute four, Brad. Jeez, And I go back that far. I found that uh, two names here that we talked about. Kurt Russell was indeed offered the role, but he turned it down because he thought the character lacked personality. <laughs> 
And then Schwarzenegger expressed interest in the role, but he was turned down because of his accent. That might have... Here's the thing. He's done. He is not what the guy in Total Recall should look like, but he did Total Recall. He's not what the guy in Running Man should look like, but he did Running Man. Like he, I'm not saying it would be a good movie, but I... I think people would have seen it, which is weird. Well, I, I don't like the idea of him as Flash Gordon. Yeah, I mean, but. the thing is, this movie was, you know, he was not Arnold Schwarzenegger yet. You know, there, there, he had not been the Terminator. I don't think he had been Conan yet. So all he had done was probably, what, Hercules in New York? I mean, had he done anything else at that Is point? that not enough for you, Hercules <laughs> in New York? He literally wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger yet, because in Hercules in New York, he, he, oh, yeah. the, his Arnold, name was Arnold Strong. Arnold Strong, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> A strong. 70s Arnold looks so much different than even Terminator Arnold because he was really, he, he, he was probably 40, 50 pounds heavier with muscle at that point. He, he actually really toned down. It's crazy because he's a massive guy, really, up until this last 10, 15 years where he started, you just can't be built like that in your 70s. But you know, a big guy, but compared to what he was during his Mr. Olympian days, I mean, he, he was freakishly big. I don't know if he was ready yet to, you know, tone down the build as much as he did. He didn't really have the charisma yet, I guess, because that is what makes yeah. him work in Total Recall. Right. Is because that his him being cast in Total Recall should ruin that movie for what that character is supposed to be jumping between the two worlds of. But it's okay because I like him in it. But yeah, so I, I mean, then we're we're very lucky that I keep saying Sam Waterson. I know that's wrong. <laughs> now but, wow! Now there's an alternate casting. Wow. Sam Waterston as Flash Gordon. <laughs> um, but um, so it's good that we have him. And again, like I, I do think he has like a a goofy charm. That's a awful dumb word, goofy. But it, that that I do like, and it works. It's accurate. It is a goofy yeah. charm. It's accurate, sure. Yeah. But nothing else in this movie is goofy. No, of course it is. But I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, it was just yeah, something I was. The lizard, <laughs> the lizard men with their faces inside their mouths. That's sure goofy. <laughs> Have you never There's seen a lot that of before? Is that going. new? Yeah, no, that, and that's true. And 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 he he works. I just and it's and again, it's and you guys do this every week. So I was going to ask you about it. Like when you're breaking a movie up into minute by minute. At least I was like, well, I'm watching this very differently. Okay. And so all I, you know, you're treating each minute as its own little. Here's the Hollywood structure: beginning, middle, end. Here are the characters. Blah blah blah. And he just faded in i mean part of it is he's being pulled underground by a dark crystal puppet but he faded into the background <laughs> of the scene and it just got me thinking because the moment um james bond there shows up i'm just like that's eh, you i'm so happy to see you and just like he's but again he's not flash gordon his character is a different character but i did have a moment of thinking like what if that was the guy we were following what if he was playing flash gordon but again that's out of context and i'm not thinking that full enough it's out of context from the rest of the movie so 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 what sam featherstone what is his effing last name jones who's <laughs> sam you. featherstone a difficult name is, is there isn't there a sam featherstone am i, I right in that did I he invent the no tire or something maybe <laughs> um be sam firestone that would be sam well if he named the tire after him it would be but sam it was just happened to be the thing he built um but I, I'm sure, like, through the course of the movie, he is who we're following. I was just, I don't know, I was, it was just something I, I, I was wondering because everyone else in this movie, in these three minutes, I should say, just lights up. I'm just like, they're, you know, they're the the, the Birdmen. Well, we'll get to them in, in another minute, I guess. But I just everyone has a different, 
appearance that when you're only watching it for 60 seconds, I guess that's that's what I'm taking in. So maybe you do need someone to carry the movie at a different pace because it is exhausting to be on all the time. Probably ask Jim Carrey. No, but yeah, <laughs> it's funny because it's it's a cool minute, but there isn't a whole lot that happens. Oh, I got so much still to talk oh, about. Okay, okay, yeah. we're, we're gonna set a new record. I think, <laughs> he uh, he pulls so so he, he gets himself out of that bubbling smoking water, and 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 you know, as I alluded to way back when seven years ago when we started this minute, uh, there's a fake out. You think he's okay? I love that you okay. never see this coming. And I absolutely love this monster that tries to eat him. I have always huh. loved this thing. It is just that noise that bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> he's got insane anatomy. I mean, I don't know if that is that midsection. Is that his mouth? Is it just a giant mouth with no body with tentacles? Is that just the mouth sticking up and there's a body underground like a sarlacc pit? I, I just there's, there's, there's tentacles running around. It tries to eat him. Uh, I, I love this thing. It would have been a cool playset, is what I was thinking. Like, yeah, this, like, yeah. like there was this line of toys called Sectars, and they had this big hive playset, or He Man had this thing called a Fright Zone. It was just like that. Yeah, I loved that. It was it was like it's kind of like a Double Dare obstacle from Nickelodeon. Too. <laughs> yeah, but just it it was great, and it looked it looked. This is going into like they would have they would do that CGI now. A lot of this would have been done CGI now, and that thing looked real. That's yeah, why that, I, I that kept monster, thinking Dark Crystal scenes. Yes, that that monster great. would definitely be CGI if this movie was made today. Oh, it, it would have been CGI, and it would have been it, it would have been fine, but it would have been boring, right? And it wouldn't have been scary because I think what, what you were just saying, Eric, it, you don't expect it. And we, I think we all know how CGI works, but because it's what he's physically in, this cradle that he's laying in, suddenly, like it, it is, it actually is a weird body horror that I really liked, and it really caught me yeah. off guard. Because it, it would have made sense if he, if he, if he would have pulled himself out. It was a cool, tense moment of him pulling out himself out of the quicksand, and then him taking a deep breath, and there's, and there's Baron. With the gun over him, and that could have been—it it, it would have very easily—that would have very easily been the next scene because it, because it sort of led up to this, and just the sound effects and those weird pincher arms coming out and then getting just absorbed by this monster, uh, probably one of the more legit scary moments of the movie. First off, it gave Sam Jones something real to act against, which is when he's <laughs> at his best, because. Uh, yeah, Sam Jones, he's at his best is when he's physically interacting with something. And when he has a chance to move, and he, he needs that stimulation to... to, to he, he seems pretty tactile with his acting style. Um, if it would have been CGI, uh, it would have been really... I think it would have been like Jake Lloyd in uh, the first of the Star Wars prequels, because... So pretty good, just not really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Jake... Child actors, I think, have a real tough time acting in movies with less CGI because it's hard enough to emote when you're seven or six or however old, but then to emote when you're acting against two tennis balls on a stick, <laughs> telling and being told that's going to be Jar Jar, uh, it's challenging. It's challenging for someone who doesn't have a lot of acting uh, experience. And so it gave him something better to act against. And um, it, it, yeah, th 
this scene would not have nearly had the same uh, immediacy and the same impact uh, if it were be if it were to be done today the way they do movies today. And it's it's just out Alien Worlds Star Wars like this outdoes Dagobah because that is something that could only exist in this planet as part of this planet. Like I was really surprised that that's in this movie, and I was really mad that that's not in a Star Wars movie. Aren't they <laughs> supposed to be the greatest movies like that is. And again, is there a lot of that in this movie? A lot of stuff like that where it's just like here's a little bit of the alien world that you just, this is how it works. Yeah. especially on a, a, a Boria. There is. Oh. Yeah. This is, this, this planet is definitely the one that is the most crazy out there. Alienish. I mean, we've also, we've talked a lot about, you know, the planet's called Arborea. They're called Arboreans. Their God is Arbor. You know, they're, they're, they're plant people. Uh, I got a question for you guys. Do you think that this is an animal or could this be a plant-based life form? Sort of like an Audrey too. I think it's a plant. That was my thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you say that it would make sense and it would go along with the theme. Uh, I would if it had if they literally definitively said what I would have loved is there was a great scene in The Simpsons, uh, a show that I reference a lot because it's been on forever and you can always find something to reference. There was an episode where the Simpsons were in some sort of jungle. Bart and Homer got uh, like consumed by this, you know, Audrey 2-esque plant creature. And then Homer just ripped open one of the sides and walked out. It's like, Dad, how's your survival? It's like, it's a plant. <laughs> <laughs> would have been great if uh, Flash would have, you know, instead of being, uh, instead of what happens, if he just would have, like, poked his finger out, ripped it open, and got out. It's like, it's, it's, it's a plant. I'm not really worried about this. I'm Flash Gordon. I've survived being the quarterback for the Jets. Which is difficult, right? That's one of the harder quarterbacks to be. It, there's nothing worse in sports than being the New York Jets quarterback. It's the worst oh. job in all of sports. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have some admiration for him. Good for him. Keep it up. The Jets are the Jaguars. That's pretty terrible, too. Is that a real? There's a team called the Jag. Really? Yeah. Jaguars? Jacksonville Jaguars. What, what state is the DeLoreans from? What do they play? Is that a California team? No, that's a hill. That's a the Twin Pines. A Twin Pines Hill Valley. The Twin Pine. They were the Twin Pine. The that's right. They moved to now the Lone Pines. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I love this plant creature. I would have, and I would have played with this plant thing if I had. There were toys I would have gotten. Totally gotten that. We've got uh, two Howard Blake uh, uh, items. Um, Howard Blake number 30 actually started in the last minute that was at the end of last week, um, but it continues into this minute. We just, uh, we lost, uh, we ran out of time to mention it last week. We got As Barons Climbing Down the Vine, right? It, it's, it's, it's mostly last minute, but it quickly ends the beginning of this minute. There's some flutes and clarinets there. Uh, but the big song that's Howard Blake in this minute, as Flash climbs out, and I really loved this song. I went back and I listened to it a couple of times, specifically just to listen to the music when I, we were preparing for this. There's some kind of like subdued woodwind playing, a few basic notes as Flash climbs out. And then as he crawls along the leaves and lies down to rest, there's this like <clears throat> dramatic string swell up, like to make the audience feel like, oh, he is okay. You know, there's this <laughs> big escape. And then as soon as the crazy monster comes underneath him, the music immediately abruptly cuts out. I thought it was a great use of the music. We love Howard Blake's music. Howard Blake is a friend of this show. <laughs> it's not just it has to be pretty music. It has to be the right music at the right time used correctly. And that can be so effective when 
the scene, and it's something that's done all the time with jump scares in horror movies, where you know the, the, the heroes think the day has been saved, everything's fine, the music starts to swell, and then Freddy Krueger pops out and claws them again one last time, and going from the the pretty music to the you know you know Friday the Thirteenth sound, and if you do that just right, so it's not just Hey, have the right, have the right music, but using it right, and uh, this scene does that very well. Yeah, no, this is a great horror. Like you keep saying, you know, that it's a horrifying minute. That if I just saw this, I don't think I would have known it was Flash Gordon. Except, I guess his T-shirt tells us that. Yes, yes, there, there, there might be some clues, but uh, no, this could be out of a very convincing body horror film. Uh, this minute, so. Very cool. Well, uh, guys, this has been a, a great first minute of the week. Um, Tim, we got to thank you because uh, our originally scheduled guest had to uh, duck out at the last minute, and you, uh, you, you you've been able to jump in. We're really excited to have you with us. Um, no, I'm happy. I mean, I'm sorry for the. I hope your guest is okay. Whatever the reasoning was, but no, I'm happy to be here um, in in her place. I think everyone's all right. It's just everyone's crazy busy. So uh, we're, we're always glad when we have our fantastic guests. We're going to have a great week. So um, pl please share with everybody how they can uh, find out more about you on the uh, the interwebs. Yeah, I would say, um, like, uh, and thank you for mentioning at the start of the show, I do a show called 20th Century Popcast. So if you check out 20popcast.com, that's the main website. It's always got the most recent episode up there to listen to. All the past episodes are there. You can subscribe to the show. And that's got all the uh, connections to, like, my Twitter, at Subcultist, uh, my Instagram, at Subcultist. It's all linked there. So just check out 20popcast.com. Uh, very cool. Recommend everyone do that. Uh, there is an episode with uh, Jarf and I. We had a fantastic time on there. Yeah, the positive and negative aspects of fan culture, I believe, is the name of that episode. Check that out. If you're going to start with an episode, start with that, because I enjoyed that conversation. You guys are great. Ton of fun. Um, so, Eric, uh, talk about a ton of fun. Where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so I, I, just, I wanted to make sure that all of the plant monsters listening... Uh, talking in their language first with the information mm. uh that that was that was plant monster for join us on our fan page on facebook the flash gordon minute listeners vortex we love to hear from you we also love to hear from you on twitter flash gordon pod and we love to hear from you via email flash gordon minute at gmail.com yeah i'm not going to do that but uh <laughs> i don't have the commitment that eric does so uh this has been um we also ask for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the better uh, visibility we get for the people who can find the show and join the fun. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward. This is going to be a great week. We have a great guest. But, Eric, not everything is great. Well, how could that be? We've got the plant monster. I know. We've got the plant monster. But here's the problem. I'm, I, I see Flash pull himself out of that like just murky, dank, sand pit, whatever it is. And uh, we just pulled the tarp off my pool, and we've been trying to fill it up and make it look clean, but honest to God, the pool looks so much like that murky swamp, and I'm afraid that, uh, that I'm going to go out to like, try to get some of the tadpoles out, and I'm going to be attacked by this plant monster. Oh, well, listen, you know, if, if, if you're, you're cleaning the pool and bleh, 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 then, you know, I, I would say don't worry too much because blah, 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 and so Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners! 
You can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. <laughs> you got the touch. You got the power. You got the power!